Hi there. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. You're listening to Runelanders. Now, before we begin, a couple of things. Runelanders contains adult content about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so use your judgment. If that sort of thing is your sort of thing, well then, dig if you will this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled to the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. Bet you have never used the stairs down into the warehouse since the day you moved in. And so you forgot that you own a key for the lock on the stairwell, you know, the stairwell shack going down into the building. It, it, it's like, you go to get your picks out and then remember, oh, right, yeah, no, there's a key hanging by the door of the greenhouse. So, you know, a little bit of oil in the lock, a little jiggle here, a little bump there, turn to the key. The uh, rusty old lock claps open. You swing the door in on its creaky hinges and look down the shadowy staircase to where the ever-burning gloves have been so thickly caked with the dust of years that the stairwell, instead of being brightly lit, is about late twilight. Ziva, you look down into the stairwell and it's, you know, brightly lit and you can see all the corners. There's, there's these lovely glowing globes that are not too bright as to cut out your dark vision and it just just nicely lit in here. It doesn't hurt your eyes at all. She'll just uh, step in and start walking down the stairs. Okay, so Calder. Mm-hmm. You've been in a basket, a largish basket, but a basket all the same because this fucking belt won't work. Mm-hmm. And you are laying there in the basket with the lid on, your belt off and in pieces, and your toolkit lest anybody see you. Like, these baskets are for fruit, for shipping large quantities of, you know, long weathering fruit from various places in the Empire to other places. They breathe instead of, you know, sealing them up in crates. Uh, it is fairly sizable. You're not crammed in. Um, it's a little bit tight. But, uh, yeah, it was the first place you could think of once the uh, workmen came in to sweep out the warehouse and uh, do their weekly chores. So you've been in here for about two hours with the uh, shitty light from, you know, filtering through the basket, trying to get your belt together by the time the last of the sweepers leaves. You're just pulling yourself out of the basket when another door claps open from across the room. I'll uh, lean forward and pry apart some of the wicker and try to get a good look at what's happening there. So you duck back down into the basket, pull the lid over top. Arabet, I want you to roll a perception check. 
Ooh, I rolled a 16, and I get to add some numbers to that. Fucking rogues. You can't hide from a rogue. Also, Calder, can you roll a stealth check for me? Yes, I'm also checking to see if I have invisibility. I do not. (laughs) Perhaps something you might want to work out how to do. I've never been in this predicament before. Mental note, learn invisibility. Oh, it's a total of 19. Sorry, no. I okay. Four. So there is a, one of the fruit baskets, one of the covered fruit baskets, you know, the industrial shipping baskets. Uh, it's that's standing with about six of the others across the room by the big bay door. Um, there's something in it, something moving is inside it and trying to do a good job of hiding. <laughs> Sorry, do I see it, Zerbet? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I think I'm doing a great job of hiding. You are in fucking invisible. You stealthy, okay. stealthy, where am you? Psst. Arabet. Psst. Come here. I, don't, uh, don't be afraid. Over. It's me, Calder. No, no, the basket. The basket. Arabet. Well, you're... Arabet smiles, yeah, and with your and with your flawless directions, cuts a straight line from the stairwell across the room directly to where you're standing, where he nonchalantly leans on the basket. Uh, Timothy, roll a stealth check. I got a, uh, I got a fourteen. Okay. So, Timothy is doing a terrible job of mooching around in the shadows over by the outside door. Fuck, he's wearing white. You know, like, you can spot him, no problem, Arabet. It's easy as pie. So, you lean nonchalantly with, put your elbow on the, uh, lid of the basket where Calder is hiding. Now, Timothy, from where you're sitting, you've just snuck in a minute ago, like just a second ago. You're pretty sure that nobody saw you come in. You're also pretty sure there's a fucking dragon in the basket that Arabet's about to lean on. Uh, I, I honestly don't even know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just, I, I just want to see what's about to happen. So frozen in shock that your mentor might miss something as obvious as this, your throat is your words catch in your throat, and with a sick fascination, you watch as he leans on the basket, nonchalantly, as though nothing were wrong. Arabet. Arabet. Yes. Go fetch Ziva. Ziva, darling, would you come here? What? It's been a second since you, like, you had to put Sia away, and she was a little big for your pocket. So it was a couple of minutes to magic her down to purse size, right? And that was better done in the stairwell because, like, the fewer questions, the better, especially as it pertains to things arcane. So you just finished this up and you're uh, putting your purse away and, you know, arranging yourself. And uh, here's Ziva Darling, would you come here? Huh? Oh, right. Um, what's up? Calder's hiding in the basket. Oh my god. 
Holder, what are you doing? Yeah. What? Come here. What? Come closer. Okay. Closer. She, <laughs> she's just going to, um, she's actually going to get right into the basket with him. All right. Well, Calder, your hiding place has been revealed. And as Ziva picks off the lid, Arabet, you cannot help but notice the broad spade-shaped skull of a a hematite dragonling who uh, looks up at you with big brass-colored eyes and uh, blinks like a cat who's been caught doing something that it shouldn't, you know, that those big round feline eyes. Uh, yeah, and uh, like there's a whole mouthful of draconic teeth, which are which is reduced to a small O, and this dragon has this like hematite colored scales. Cool dragon, right? But uh you thought Calder was in there, and so now you do a little bit of mental math, you figure out the ruse pretty quick, especially since that dragon is wearing Calder's shirt and futzing with his belt. As Ziva pulls the lid off and then kicks a big booted foot over into the basket to climb in next to him. Now, Calder, it is quite cramped in here. What the fuck? Is nobody what they seem? Well, Ziva, I was going to ask you to not open the No, I'm basket. sorry. It's not what I, I didn't understand. That's my bad. No. No. Well. You just look so comfy in here. It's not that bad. He uh, kind of smells like a nice, you know, like a, a good quality leather jacket. You know that smell? Yeah. Well, that's what it smells like in here because it's gotten a little warm and uh, he's, he's, he's put up a bit of a bead, right? So like, it's warm. He's a little clammy. And, but like, you know, yeah, he smells like a nice, good quality leather jacket. And uh, it is nice and warm in here. It's uh, actually quite comfortable in a dragon nap. Who knew? But uh, yeah, so as the pair of you stand up out of there, Ziva, this, uh, this basket comes up to your shoulders. So, like, uh, from outside, we can see Ziva's gigantic mass of hair and, you know, her, her lovely half-elven features and face, perfectly made up. And then, like, the continually unfurling form of Calder, who stands up to his, what are you, about six foot ten, standing straight up? Yeah, he's about six ten and very, very thin. Now, Ziva, it's worth noting that... uh there's the heavy weight of something that crosses your feet. As you look down, there's like the big alligator tail that he has. The one that knocked the chair over. Calder, what is going on? Um, How long have you been here? Are you okay? It appears that my belt is not functional. Hey, Timothy. Yes. All right, dude. It's a big silver black dragon just uncurled out of a wicker basket like a cobra with Ziva. Uh, this is like lots more than you're a baker, dude. You are a baker's apprentice. This is what this is not what you saw dragons here in Bailey Mina. I would like for you to make a wisdom save, please. <laughs> okay. 
I uh, somehow got an 18. Uh, my intimidation is a total of 21. Okay. <laughs> you, are, you are one of the baddest mofos on Copper Penny Road. There is no mistake. Like, the fact that you are Arabette's apprentice is no mistake. You've earned it, man. You came up the hard way through, you know, through Thrasher's Copper Pennies. And now you're pro- you were apprenticed to the independent. Everybody else got a guild apprenticeship. Now you and Bet, you're a team. You're his partner, right? Nothing scares you. You are hard to shake. You are a bad motherfucker, Tim. But that, that's a dragon. Nothing Calder has taught you, has prepared you for the likelihood of running into a dragon at this close quarters. And they are every bit as intimidating as the books say they are. Now, you don't run and you don't piss yourself, but you only get two and a half steps towards saving Bet from this thing before it turns those brass-colored eyes on you and stops you dead in your tracks. I, I, I can't do anything but just look him in the eyes. Look at it in the eyes. Okay, so to his credit, Calder, like most weak, small, fur things in their youth who run away when they see the resplendence of the draconic form, this one has a little more iron in his spine and merely stops there upon locking eyes with you and unwaveringly sitting there until he says, What? Yeah, what? Hello, Timothy. It knows my name. Huh? And hello, Arabette. How are you today? Oh, it's been a lovely day. You know, I... Yeah, it's been a lovely day. Ghosts, creatures with tentacles, dragons. Dragons! Yeah, um... Oh, this? Isn't he adorable? Uh... What? All right, well, I'm, I'm going to get out of this basket. I've been in here for quite long enough. Uh... And I suspect I have, uh, I have some explaining to do. Explaining. Yes, explaining. You have a tail. You know, he's so awesome. Ah, uh, yes. The story of how I came to Bailey Minna is quite a tale. And as the dragon steps out of the basket, he just lifts a leg and steps out. And Timothy, this thing is like, Rib level for you, right? Ziva's short. She's a little short ass because she's, well, she's half elven. But like the dragon just steps out of this fruit basket and it's a big 500 pound fruit basket too, right? So he kind of slithers out and looks at you and he's talking in Caller's voice. Arabette doesn't seem too upset about it. Although as the dragon steps out, you hear his voice. You notice this draft through the room, which carries the scent of that patchouli oil. And for, like, for some reason, whenever you were over there working on the magic that he was teaching you, or, you know, like one of your strongest memories of training with Calder is the way that he always smells like fine leather and patchouli oil, right? Like whenever you're around him, there's always that scent and it's, it's pervasive now, right? Um, he also doesn't appear to be aggressive. So 
you loosen your posture a bit and exhale, relaxing. Even if something has happened to Calder, Calder's taught you magic and maybe, just maybe, you're not dead yet. You might make it out of here if you're smart, if you use everything that's been taught to you. That doesn't stop me from falling on my ass the moment he got out of the basket. I looked up and up and then, uh, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening is, uh, we're going to have a few bottles of wine in my office. I'm parched. Ooh, oh, that's a great idea. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll lumber off to my office quite clearly, stretching out and rolling my shoulders and trying to recuperate from a, a day of basketing. Hey, Beth? Yeah, Beth takes a look inside the basket. There's a few stray scales, and like there's a small screw laying in the wicker in the bottom. That's about all that you can see. Uh, you know, also apple stems and pear, pear leaves and stuff like that from fruit that's been stored in it over the years. It occurs to you that you can't be walking around the city like this, at least not with him that way. And, uh... If he needs to go anywhere outside of this building, well, Stitch has his old cloak up in the greenhouse. I'm sure he wouldn't mind if Calder borrowed it for the moment. I look at Timothy. I give him a wink. And I uh, disappear back up the stairs. What? <laughs> wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. I get to the door of the warehouse. Uh, that's going to head uh, most expeditiously to uh, my office here, and I'll look back over my shoulder at Timothy and Ziva, and I'll say, "Coming." Oh yeah, she's uh, just like happily skipping along, like no big deal. This is no big deal to Ziva either, Tim. All right, what? How's your mind making this make sense, my friend? Colder, did you see a witch over the time I was gone? Wait, 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 Ziva. Did you do this? Do what? Uh, uh I, I, I just look at her. It's so obvious. I, I, I just gesture at it. <laughs> well, like, I didn't know he didn't want you to see him, but. That's all I did. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Oh, right. No, that's just how he is. But he just can't, like, go out in public like that. Obviously. Uh, okay. I, I just keep my head down now. So I'll uh, trundle off uh, in the darkened hallways of the warehouse uh, along the way, uh, informing the closest Nigel to make sure that uh, sufficient uh, chilled wine and glasses uh, for the four of us uh, are made available at uh, uh, in my office. Well, that certainly is a good plan, but I'm going to need the one of you, minus Arabet, with the greatest stealth skill, to roll stealth with advantage, because I gathered, I gathered the other two of you will be 
performing the help action by watching out for people and, uh, you know, keeping things quiet, right? Well, I clearly can't let this be seen if this is actually colder. So we got we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair enough. So, sorry. My expectation was that people had swept up and gone home for the day so I could safely make it to my office. Yes, that was your oh, okay, expectation. Okay. No, no, no. Just as long as it's a fair expectation, I can be wrong. No, no, that's great. I just wanted to make sure that I understood what's happening. Got it. Okay, thanks. There is a second shift. Fucking halflings. All right, well, I got us a 20 and stuff, so. Sweet. So I'll uh, stride off, uh, thinking about what kind of wine I shall tell the Nigels to get that will perfectly pair with this conversation. And then I hear a sound, and I stop. And I take a step back into the room, and I call Timothy over. All right, Timothy. There are a bunch of cleaners and uh, some people working late in the office. Um, sadly, there is no hidden way to the office that Calder has described. However, well, if you can't play keep away from some office workers, then you ain't Timmy Fetch. So, you go sneaking along and everybody's slinking along beside you and you get up to the first corner and left or right. Well, you take the left. There's your 20. Sneak right past. You stop just short. And uh, some filing secretarial sort with her nose buried in a folder, holding on to a pair of pince-nez glasses as she peers at the illegible script on the paper, goes walking right past you. Doesn't notice any of you pressed up against the side and underneath the big oak desk that she just strides down. This room is, uh, there's no dividers. It's a cubicle farm with just desks. Great big old accountancy desks, but desks all the same. Um, that's what's making it so difficult to get around. Now, you uh, keep going towards the office for a little bit more. You duck around the corner um, and slip down a hallway past another block of offices. I'll need you to make... Another stealth check with advantage. Okay. I got an 18. You slip down the next hallway, and about halfway down, an office door opens, and you all freeze, like come to a sudden stop, and it's quite comical because we can see it from the side where Timothy stops just, just in front of the door, just at the edge of the door jam. Uh, Calder pretty much has to fold in half and go up and over the top of the door jam. And uh, Ziva tucks in underneath Calder and between Timote as the person who opens the door, opens it up, looks down at the folder they're, they're, they have, says, well, fuck, and then turns around and goes back into the office, leaving the door open, whereupon you all go flitting by the door. One, two, three. Down the rest of that hallway, it's a left... And then two more turns, and you're at Calder's private office. I'll need one more stealth check with advantage. That's a 26. Fucking rogues. There is a janitor who's mopping the floors in the solarium sitting room just by where Caller's office is, and it looks out over the docks and the firth, and it's 
like where the company employees come and sit and have their lunch and open the windows in the nicer months. Uh, it's closed for the winter, but uh, there's a janitorial sort who's mopping the granite floors in here, and the carpet cleaning machine is whirring along noisily off in the corner. You go sneaking right along behind this person who uh, catches a flicker of motion in the window and looks up just in time to see a seabird come clobbering into the glass. So they rush over like, oh my! And uh, by that time, you guys are all down the hallway and into Calder's office. The door closes with a click. Arabeth. Yes, sir. Can I get a stealth check from you, please? 30. When you enter the office, Arabit is sitting at Calder's desk with a nicely folded cloak sitting uh, up next to his feet while he uh, ponders a couple of ver a couple of bottles of wine, which the Nigels are presenting to him. Perhaps, Galleons, the floor is yours. Oh, there you are. I was looking for you. Yes, here we are. I'd, uh, I imagined you had skulked off to take care of some nefarious business, yes? Oh, no, I was getting you a cloak. Oh, how kind. Thank you. It may smell a little bit like cat, but that's because it stitches. I'm sure you won't mind. It'll be a welcome reminder. Please, everyone, have a seat. Allow me to pour you some wine. You're such a sweetheart, Arabat. Why, thank you. I gotta say, I'm putting it all together now. The Nigel, the tail, it's all making sense. Yes. You're like a master well, of illusion, eh? Ah, uh, no. Um, a, a master of illusion would not have to be uh, hiding in a wicker basket all day. I, I do have one trick that I can do quite well, though. Um, it does rather significantly depend on this belt, however. Well, technically, it's an amulet worn by a dragon, but uh, a necklace on a body this small is uh, more of a belt. Perhaps I should begin by uh, properly and finally introducing myself. Uh, you might have noticed that our good friend Ziva is not particularly surprised. We did have a conversation some time ago about this. Um, and also our good friend Mr. Stitch is also aware. Apparently he can smell me, something I'm currently working on. Uh, but... Uh, you have known me as Master Locke Calder. Uh, please allow me to introduce myself as Kaladur Zavaputra Mahasaragara Hansoku. I belong to a clan of uh, I belong to a clan of wonder merchants from Skald, and uh, unfortunately, I've had something of a falling out with my family, and I'm no longer welcome there. I chose Bailey Mina as a place to hide, uh, in many ways and for many reasons. Uh, I did not think I would ever, I truly did not believe that I'd ever have this conversation with anyone because I did not think I would ever have friends such as yourselves. And allow me to please apologize for the deception. It was never my intent to hide anything from you. I thought I was hiding who I was from everyone forever. Well, like, you know, what I said, like, I totally get it. You know, it's not like the 
I mean, it's super dangerous for you to tell people this. It's not like, you know, it's not like something you that wouldn't hurt. Like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I was mad. And I'm happy to share uh, in his absence that Mr. Stitch was also not particularly upset. Uh, he he was not happy with the deception. Uh, his concern was uh, the motives for such. And uh, he agreed uh, quite kindly to keep my secret until such a time that was no longer necessary. And when he agreed to that, I honestly did not think there would ever be a time it was not necessary, to be honest. Oh, I think it's still necessary. You walk out in the street, they'll they'll flay you alive. Not only that, but, uh, well, there are members of my family quite eager and heavily invested in locating me. Bailey Mina is a terrible place for a dragon to hide, which is exactly why I chose it. To the best of my understanding and to the messages I received from my factions elsewhere, they are busily looking at excellent places for dragons to hide. Um, so thus far, my gambit seems successful. Yeah, your secret's safe with me. I mean, I, I never met a dragon I didn't like. Oh, you've met other dragons, do tell. No, the point is I've never met any other dragons, Calder. I've never met a dragon. Oh. oh. <laughs> Ever. Oh, forgive me, I... I, I... Then He's so please. cute. You're fucking amazing. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Please forgive me and consider me quite flattered. Now, I'm not completely without options with my belt not working. However, because I've had the belt for so long, I must admit I have not practiced uh, the magic I know to hide who I am. Let, let me show you. And so Calder stands up and uh, he mutters a few words and he arcs his fingers through the air and little sparkly trails uh, follow them. And then all of a sudden, he's a person who's six feet, 10 inches tall and just slightly out of proportion in every way. The eyes are a little bit too far apart. The, he's just stretched out to like, he looks like somebody who's like six, four, who's stretched out to six, 10. And he doesn't look like a proper person anyone things are like the ears don't match the nose the shoulders don't fit the frame the the hips are like you know wrong yeah i get it so as you can see this would not be sufficient well for anything and believe me this is better than it was before i've been working on this all day in the basket and this is as far as i got Ziva, roll Arcana. Okay. That is a 15 plus 8. Well, he's just got his... There's a bit of dissonance, a little bit of... There's a knot in the lower octaves of the third triomer of the thomic weave that he's using to change his shape. It's right there. It's just a little snag. If you... Were to reach out and just correct that, it would probably unfuck the whole harmony. And then the resonance would be correct and the spell would work. He's just missing one dissonant note. Hey, you have like, you made like one little calculation wrong. 
Like, you have to carry the three over here. Hang on. And she pulls the the wand from her hair, her sort of chopstick-looking wand, and she waves it a little bit. She gets, sort of gets up close to Calder. She doesn't seem to be seeing him. She seems to be looking at something around him. And she sort of wiggles her wand like she's writing a little bit. And Calder himself, like, you see, she's in there and he looks down. Uh, gets the one and it goes click. She wiggles it a bit. And the whole dude, floor to ceiling, not like an image, but the dude himself physically, fritzes. It's a <laughs> then he's a deep, deep purple and uh, about three times the size, but translucent. And then she clicks her wand over a bit. Okay, right? And then she mumbles a couple of words. Okay, there. And there's a click, and boom, he's called her again. Same old caller, but 30 years younger than you remember him, but uh, caller. Oh, I see. I had the vapocoptric mantravines in the wrong place, of course. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a tough one. Well, this feels better. And then, uh, being a little bit sly, I'll turn and make really direct eye contact to Timote. What do you think, Timote? Is this better? Uh, yeah. So one of the problems with this spell, as far as I can ascertain, Ziva, is it does not actually change my size or shape at all, unlike uh, my artifice. Uh, which means while I look the normal height of Calder now, I still actually as tall as I am. Um, c- come over and pass your head above mine. Pass your hand above my head. Well, I'll take that offer. And slowly, sl- gently, <laughs> gently. Arabic gently passes his hand over. So as you're as you get to like a good couple inches above. His head, you bump into something which clearly feels like a shoulder, like ooh, and leathery like, too. Yes, right. So, in many ways, this is uh, in almost every way, this is inferior uh, to the belt. However, at least it's something right now. Yeah, like if someone came in here right now, they wouldn't freak out. Well, Timothy, are you freaking out? No. Well, then I'd say you're correct, Ziva. He's so funny. You sold that one, Tim. Look at him. I'm a brave. I'm brave. No, that was like nat 20 and deception. Like, don't even roll. Anyway. All right. So, you have yourselves together. You, uh, Calder's disguise is restored. Uh, there's some wine drank. What's the plan, Rapscallions? Well, I have to say I'm I'm actually quite relieved that you all know now. It's been something I've been hoping to share, and, and, and jibs and drabs have been, so thank you. And again, I apologize. I think the most urgent thing that we have to consider is how we're going to uh, return Nori from the dream. So we could either 
proceed with that directly. And I believe we have the opportunity to see if we can unlock the frame. Um, yeah, I think we've got that part figured out. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm really hoping so, uh, we can use that key more than once. My plan up until uh, about 20 minutes ago uh, was to determine some way to skulk back to my store to fix my belt. But since you all know, and we're all here, as is the mirror in the frame, perhaps we should simply proceed thus. Okay, sorry, what? Like... Well, given that we're all here in the mirror in the frame is but a few rooms over, I think we should see if we can get to the dream. Oh, yeah, but I want to make sure that people know that we're leaving and that everything's ready because we don't know how long we're going to be gone and stuff. Surely it can't take that long to uh, fetch Nar in return. But, like, time passes differently there? Oh, well, I thought I understood that, but tell me, Ziva, how differently? Uh... Well, Nari's been there for like seven years. Seven years? It's been barely a month. Yeah, that's what I mean. Time works oh, I see. differently. Well, um, I believe I can arrange for the Nigels to have the store closed. Uh, uh, for a buying trip. Um, at this point, the warehouse uh, does not require my daily activity. A simple note uh, should uh, suffice. Uh, although it is a little bit early for that, I, I do not fully know who I can trust here and I cannot, but I guess that's a risk we'll have to take. Siva, uh, Erebet, what what shall we have to do to make sufficient arrangements before we go on a trip of undetermined length? I just need to make sure that, like, my, uh, you know, somebody's gonna t- pay the take care of my um, my funeral home, and we have to make sure we bring a lot of like weird random things with us to use as currency when we go. What sort of things? I have many, many things. Yeah. So, like, I mean, they, like, I don't know. I don't think they're going to take money. Um, very well. Do you know what they will take or what will act as currency there? Or at least influence? Can I roll something to see if I would know, maybe if I've come across that in my my history? History, less history sounds good. Okay, that's not great. Uh, That is a 14. Tend to deal in barter and trade. And currency is less 20 pounds of gold and more the sting of betrayal. Or the memory of love's first kiss. Or 16 tears. 
from a brokenhearted virgin or the triumph of a new mother or the sigh of a contented lover. I'll have 16 of those and a gallon of beer, right? Yeah, it's it's going to be weird stuff like that. So we're going to have to think a lot. And also, I don't know, I guess try and bring a couple of those kinds of things with us if we can. All right, so I rolled an 18 on Arcana as well. So I'm getting the, like, what I'm trying to do is connect that to things I might actually have. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure they have a way of exchanging the laughter, the first laughter of an infant, but, right? All right, so I, I think I think I understand. Um, so a stack of old love letters, uh, a bequeathed scarf, a small spoon from a child's first birthday. Am I... Am I correctly understanding, Ziva? Oh my god, yeah, that's great. Ah, uh, allow me to drop a list for Nigel. I don't have a lot of that stuff, but I do have a few things like that. And so I write a little list, and uh, is there anything else we'll need from the store? I'm also getting him to fetch my tools. Uh, I do need to see if I can fix this belt. Oh, yeah, I, I can try and help you with that. I would be most appreciative. Arabet? Yeah? What do you need to do? What? What do you need to do to go on this rescue mission? Well, I'm pretty sure that I, the lock is mechanical. I can open it. I'm just afraid. Does that sound right to me? I'm afraid that we're going to get over there and uh, that place is going to suck our dreams dry. You have dreams, Bet? Don't you, Timothy? I mean, you can't all be bagels and cream cheese for you, can it? I don't know. I haven't run out of them yet. Like, it's super scary, okay? I'm not saying it's not. Like, I have never been there. I don't know what this is gonna do, but my brother's there, and I have to go, and I have to get him, no matter how scared I am. We can get Delilah to watch the acre. Can we? Do I know her? So there's a bit of chit-chat and back and forth as you make your way back up and across the peculiar path to the greenhouse. As Timothy beelines to get cleaned up, Arabet, concerned for his apprentice's well-being, follows him. So, Tim, explain me these boys. Um, well, they were small. They were real annoying looking, you know, like you could kick them, you know. You, you, Are you saying they're halflings? Um, were they? Oh, I don't even remember. Hmm. Did you take some of Stitch's cure-all? Well, I'm surprised you guessed it that accurately, but, uh, yeah, had had a bottle handy. Yeah. You had a bottle of Stitch's cure-all handy. Well, it was a candy. Let me tell you, I had to go through, a, 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 you know, about hell and a half to get to it. But 
the moment I did, let me tell you. Yeah, it certainly has a kick. Well, it's kicking now. Yeah, I can see that. You're going to need this bath. Okay. Don't drown. <laughs> I'll leave you alone. Uh, you take care of yourself, okay? I'll be right back. Oh, I'm taking care, mister. Mr. Bit. Yeah, that hooch is starting to get to you. Arabic comes tromping down the stairs and uh, says, oh boy. Everything okay? Oh, sort of. He had some of uh, Stitch's famous cure-all. Uh-oh. Oh yeah, it has a, quite a kick. He's going to go into withdrawal in a little bit. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, I guess it saved his life, though. And, you know, halflings. What happened to him? He doesn't have a clear memory of it anymore. (laughs) The hooch has done his job. Well, I guess that's just one more story for him to tell later. Yep. I'm going to get him uh, something to take the edge off. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Arabic clinks around in a bunch of the planters and finds uh, what he's looking for and uh, proceeds back up the stairs. The uh, good stuff is on the planter on the right, right beside you. There's a big jar of uh, dried cannabis sitting in the planter where there's some scratches on a, you know, like a little wooden stick that's stuck into the soil when you pull it out. You're like, ah, okay. Scritch, scratch, and it kind of smells like pee. <laughs> Chill. Sit and fiddle with rolling a little one. So, while Ziva's doing that, let's go upstairs and see what's happening with Arabat and Timote. It's just me, Timote. Well, oh, hey. Hey, you need to chew on these leaves. Uh, I don't like salad. Uh, You don't want to swallow it. Just chew on it. You know, I don't get that. What's the point of chewing if you're not going to eat it? Because it releases the whatever they're called in the uh, leaves. I don't understand. Stitch just told me you chew them, but you don't swallow them. And if you'd swallow them, then you'll be on the toilet for a week. So don't swallow them, okay? Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know. The more you're telling me about them, the more pressure I feel. And it's kind of stressing me out. And, you know, um, like, what? what am I chewing? Are these leaves? Yeah, they're leaves. Chew. Chew. Make big chomping noises. No. They're going to stimulate your central nervous system before it shuts down. Stimulate my son. Yeah, something like that. Wake up, Timothy. Don't go to sleep. Uh. Timothy, this is important. Good baker. Never skip a step. Oh. Watch your scones, boy. Have some respect. People eat this. 
What is happening? And like, there's all of these beautiful Paraduan tiles, various descriptions. Like, make no mistake, this place was built by a rich person and meant to be fancy and fabulous. It also has the benefit of being especially well done. So although the techniques are antique, they aren't good because they're old. They're old because they're good, if you know what I mean. At the same time, all the cracks in the grout are shifting around, making letters and glyphs and faces, maths and measures, and just sliding around all over the wall. Okay. And so as you enjoy this show for a little while, it's at first it's amusing. It looks like, yeah, hey, what's that music? I hear drums. Arabelle, you hear those? Arabelle winds up to slap Timothy's face one more time. Woo! That wasn't a rabbit. What rabbit, man? Did you chase the white rabbit? Don't chase the white rabbit. Oh, you didn't see him? But are you okay? I'm okay. I was just worried about you. Your temperature must be exact. One degree either way, and the project will fail. Oh, you must be precise. Man. In your measurements, your ingredients, baking is a science. Numbers, this, science, that. Oh. Cups and teaspoons. Takes five knuckles under one eye to put somebody on their ass, too, Handsome Tim. I. I need to take a break. I think it's nap time. Yep. And with that, Arabet, uh, you have to get Caller to help get him out of the tub. Is he's out. He's cold. The crash has crashed him. Um, looks to you, by the way that he's cooled off slightly, that he must have drank all of one of Stitch's Carols. And those are six shotters. Calder! Calder! Yes. One moment. So, from here, we need to rewind slightly to follow the progress of Calder and Ziva, who are, at present, in Arabet's workroom. It's like just a little 10 by 10 room off to the side of the main body of the greenhouse. It was originally designed for the mechanics who would come up and fix the generator and the other mechanical parts of the warehouse below, which are also part of this building. It was originally designed as the caretaker's residence for the warehouse below, and so was designed with an eye of being self-sufficient, like we've given you a place to live and spot to grow your own groceries and a paycheck. What do you need to leave for, right? And uh, these places were kind of, were popular in the day, but again, you know, society's moved on. This is not the style of architecture anymore. However. Mentioning that, 
These places are handy and they're usually found for a saw. This one was unoccupied when Stitch and Arabette moved in five years ago, even though Porterhouse was fully in business down below. That tangent aside, you walk into this 10 by 10 little room and see Calder uh, wearing his coat and what looks like a rough kilt split in three pieces, which is to say there are two pieces which hang on either side of his long alligator-like tail. Got this his usual coat on. It's pushed up past his elbows. It looks like he should clink when he moves, but he doesn't. I just want to be very clear that I look poured like liquid mercury. In no way do I look poor. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Why, hello, Zima. Oh, hi. Can I, like, help you with your thingy? <laughs> My thing, yeah. You know, that is, that is a wonderful idea. I, I don't have the foggiest idea of what's wrong with this runes damned gadget. You know, it's interesting. I've had this thing for, well, many years, and it's worked flawlessly. So I actually have no idea how it works. I've, I've never bothered to, to even really look at it at all. Just turn it on. Use oh, it. I hate when that happens. You just like totally rely on something every day and then you don't even think about it and then it breaks and then you're like now what okay let me have a look at this well so i don't really know what's going on here but as you can see there appears to be the need for some sort of contestatory motion and uh, i've been trying to use the thermoencabulator for it um, you know uh, provides some inverse ethereal current but this appears to be, uh, as far as I can tell, perhaps a, a multiplex bidirectional planar detractor. And this is really intended for, you know, unilateral detractors exclusively. Hmm. She um, sort of nods and looks yeah, at her. Uh, take, take a look at this. And uh, Calder uh, reaches into his waistcoat pocket. He pulls out a little monocle and he uh, just breathes on a little. <sighs> You see a lovely little spray of sparks go through it, and uh, he hands it to you. And, and as you, uh, uh, I assume, a little bit cautiously, or maybe with 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 all abandoned aside, uh, take a look. Uh, this looks like a little device that uh, gives you detect magic through the lens. And uh, yes, Ziva, now that uh, now that that's been done, and uh, he's handed that off to you. If you'd like to make an arcana check, all right. Oh, that's not great. That is uh, 17. Everybody knows that the multi-resonant crystals found northern Paradua and east of Kirival, they're really, 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 really good for uh, thaumaturgical optic work. Many of these, many of the observatories with the uh, magnifying lenses that look at the surface of the moons at many of the greater universities, you know, like those, uh, what do they call themselves? Astrologers who track the movements of the heavens and figure out what that means. Do all the math. There's no art to it. It's more of a science, but uh, you know, they use a lot of this sort of thing. So you're familiar with the idea of scrying through crystal. However, what you're not ready for is that, when you touch it, there's a feeling, uh, like a, a, just a tingle that runs 
between your thumb and forefinger and then up like those carpal tunnels to your elbow and then hits you with a jolt up the inside of your arm into your armpit because this thing is bending thomic energy by itself. Oh, this is so cool. Somehow this configuration, looking at it, yes, it's etched. These runes are not standard, but they seem to be doing the job. Well, the glyphs on it anyway, right? What runes it contains, you'll have to look at with your own detect magic, but another time. The thing is amazing. It's working a spell by itself. All he did was put some electricity into it. Okay, so there's like a combination of transmutation and illusion magic. But it's just amazing that it's like casting by itself. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's, uh, well, we could. It, it's actually a rather simple artifice. You know, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but I actually have a new teacher. I should introduce you soon. Oh, yeah. That'd be amazing. Okay. So, can I just, like, fiddle with it a little bit? Be my guest. From upstairs. Calder! Yes. One moment. Ziva, darling, I'll, I'll be right back. And I go trundling off to wherever Arabat is to find out what kind of trouble we're in now. Okay, so Ziva, as Calder leaves the room, you uh, find yourself alone with the little work light, which glows cheerily and warmly. Um, It's just one of those little glow bulbs. You can buy them 10 for a gold, really. Expensive, a silver, like, you know, 10 silver each, but they tend to last for years and years and years. So it's a bit of an investment. Again, though, technical magic, right? Looking through the monocle that Calder gives you shifts your perceptions into the thomic spectrum. And with this, it's pretty obvious that the triluminium and uh, bilatinum, which normally should produce like an N-electric charge for this, they've corroded. It's dissimilar metals. There's They have to be replaced. The problem is that triluminium and bilatinum are A, not cheap, and B, all the property of the Empire. It tends to be used in fairly high-end magical artifice, such as you'd find in the Imperial shipyards, or similar. Hmm. Okay. Can't get any more of that. What could we replace it with? Well... Okay, so triluminium is really just um, distilled out of the brains of most living things. So, with enough brains, you could get this stuff. Or, it is possible for you to synthesize it. However, distilling that much, even with magical aid, will take months. Hmm. However, most of the big portals to the capital that you'll find in the Richer districts use a lot of triluminium. This is exactly what powers those effects. It's how the muckety-mucks and the nobles travel back and forth to the capital for their affairs and shit in their gated communities far up towards the beach. A little while after Ziva spends a while futzing with this and peeling off the old strip of triluminium, 
which is wafer thin. It's barely a leaf, you know, like gold leaf thickness. But uh, it's enough, and there's probably about 400 golds worth here, right? Like, uh, when you consider the value of a gold coin, that's a lot of money. However, there are also, like, lichmongers who sell parts to students. If there's that much money in extracting trilithium. Huh. I could be doing this, like, on the side. Timotei, you're an apprentice now. Not just to Arabet either. He seems to have apprenticed you to everybody in his new organization. It's been a lot of work, especially since you are largely working, like you're supposed to be helping them all, but uh, the three main ones who demand most of your time are Calder, Nari, and of course, Arabet himself. This morning, it seems, you're working for Hulu, as you have an appointment to meet him at the Taylor's in Sartori Square. About a ten-minute trek, I think, on good time. Half an hour, unless you know the right way, in which case it's about ten minutes. Um, you could probably, yeah, it's fifteen minutes if you keep it to street level. Ten, if you don't mind a two-minute climb. Hmm... You know what? Yeah, 15 minutes is okay. And the camera follows Timotei as he makes his artful way through the crowded streets. Um, Bailey Mina is all a bustle. And at this particular end of the Firth, things tend to be a little closer to the ground, you know, like four and five stories at the tallest. Uh, even here, you'll see a few one and two story buildings that get their own patch of sky. So. People are, like, going along the street. There's carts going either way. And, you know, the odd fountains at the inter at the intersections where people busk for money. Uh, street corners without fountains. There's people playing this new developing jazz music that's uh, all the rage. So you make your way through the crowd. You're like a shadow. And then uh, smoke in the wind. And then the next thing we know, uh, we seem to lose you when you pop out across the street entirely without seeming to have moved at all. It's a thing you do. Uh, it's easy to pick your way if you know how. And it's hard to follow you. Soon enough, you arrive at your appointed meeting spot. It is a tailor shop by the name of Beetle and Smirk. Ooh, fancy, are we? This place looks very expensive, yeah. Um, if you are reading the numbers right underneath this suit of clothes, it's it's fancy, man. Like, it's, it's blue and silver with this shimmery white cloth that kind of shines in the light. It's very, uh, very showy and very, very outrageously visible and bright and uh they want twenty five hundred dollars for it do i see uh nari around here he is not in evidence out front but uh when you look inside there's a gentleman sitting in a barber's chair getting the last bit of a shave while 
another kid buffs his shoes, he's reading a broadsheet and there's a smoking cigar in an ashtray next to his right hand on a table that also holds a glass of whiskey on ice. Uh, this, you assume, is the barrister Narihulu. Um, I don't know. I'm not very good at dealing with these types, but uh, I'll walk on up. Maybe he'll recognize me. <laughs> okay, Nari, um, you had expected him two minutes earlier because of his vaunted command of the city. Evidently, he chose to keep it on the street. Interesting. Um, not expedient, but certainly prudent. He's here anyway. Um, you're just finishing the article, well, just about some arrests and executions. You know, that sort of thing. The cheap smarmin gossip part of the paper. Well, I'll uh, sort of lower the paper just a little bit uh, when I, if I see Timothy, give him a little bit of a nod and gesture him in, and then raise the paper, finish the article. Hey, James, why don't you tell us what Timothy looks like and what he's wearing on this his first real meeting with the boss, Nari Hulu? Oh um, well, honestly. Um, Timothy didn't really think through this one when it comes to appearances. So uh, it's pretty much the same old rags, uh, a couple pouches. Um, you know, at least I I have some like uh, nice little uh, footwear to run around a bunch with. But I I was practical. So he's like, sitting there in the chair there's smoke rising from the cigar now and then he'll pick it up and have a haul and taste some whiskey and you just got to stand there for a minute and by and by the uh barber finishes up what they're doing and uh bustles out after hulu hands him like you never miss a coin tim and hulu hands him two hundred dollars in gold Presently, you are alone in the room. Uh, Nari, please describe what you're up to today, what you look like, and um, then the, the mic is yours. Nari stands up from the chair after dismissing the servants. He's wearing, he's wearing a, a black uh, coat, black pants, but he's got a very loud shirt underneath uh, brightly colored silk of a bunch of different colors. Uh, he's got uh, another uh, very loud cravat. Everything is sort of, it blends, but it, it almost hurts the eyes to look at. It's like complimentarily offensive. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. So yes, this uh, this bit of sartorial wonder that you see in front of you is quite clearly none other than Nari Hulu. Um, like you said, the man is... He's dressed like that. He has these features that, you know, they, they're almost, almost TV star handsome, but he's just too much of a street hustler. 
You can just tell by the way he holds himself. You know he's a man of learning. He's a man of distinction. But God, Timothy, you've seen guys like this running Monty on every corner. This guy, however, doesn't dress like those guys. So he must be really, really good at it. Yeah, fancy, fancy. Nari, please continue. Hello, Timothy. You made it. Yes, sir. Excellent. I've been hearing some some very good things about you. Jobsworth says you're a quick study. What can I say? High praise indeed from that that man. However, and I'll gesture at his outfit, just top to bottom, head to toe. This, however, simply won't do for a gentleman in my employ. From somewhere just beyond, like actual sound, it's like, it's not that it's quiet. It's that, like, it's almost audible. You know, it's on the other side of hearing, but you can sense it anyway, and it sounds like a whole crowd of people laughing. Over to you, Timothy. Oh, when he gestured at me, I thought it was just that at me. Honestly, I didn't even get the point there. Does he have a problem with me? Uh, pardon me, sir? Your clothes. They simply won't do. I, I can't be represented by a, a young gentleman in this sort of attire. It'll have to be remedied. Um, remedied how, sir? Well, we will have to clothe you properly. And I will, uh, clap my hands. And with that, the oddest collection of servants you've seen in a while fills the room. Like, the guy who was giving Nari the shave and, like, trimming up his beard and you know, cleaning up his neckline and clipping his hair and just tending to his general maintenance. When you came in, you're sure that guy was human. But like when he claps his hands, it's uh, satyrs and pucks and boggarts and uh, other fey refugees from the dream who call Bailey Mina home and work in this particular tailor's. Um, they come out and you have never seen so many fey folk in one place. And uh, there's a satyr who comes walking over. And this, of course, is uh, Mr. Beetle. Um, and he comes up because, um, yes, sir, shall we start with four or five suits of clothes? I think four will be sufficient for now prudent sir and the usual sort of budget for this kind of thing yes I, I may have my eye on some extra accessories but the garments themselves I believe the standard fare will do thank you sir we should be enchanted to accommodate you sign here please and with that, he presents the receipt, which is just standard. It gets billed to the office. There you are, sir. And with a signature in the on the official script 
the basically it, it's it activates the seal which debits the accounts of stark weather and fair and then the fairies set about you timothy and you are bustled to stand up on a stool box where tailors start measuring your every sort of dimension first and then you are stripped down into your gitch bustled out of the room the next pastiche of scenes have timothy in a Clawfoot, high back bathtub being dunked in and scrubbed and shaved and trimmed and clipped at every angle and then bustled out in a towel where we see him standing once again on the stool box in, you know, some boxer shorts with his hands like standing there like the Vitruvian man as various outfits materialize and dematerialize from his frame with Nari nodding and pointing and soon. Um, the whole bustle and speed frame ends up with uh, Timothée sitting in a high back, high wing back chair, opposite Nari, who is just finishing his cigar from earlier and his third glass of whiskey. The pucks who had been measuring and all this come up with like several boxes wrapped with string and. A receipt for Nari as well. Before the puck takes off, he pauses. He's an older puck in his late middle years and, uh, you know, takes the glasses off his prodigious nose, peers through his beady eyes at you, and uh, says, It's one more thing, sir. And hands you a stack of business cards. It's a short box of them, 50 to start with. And on the cards, when you open them, T.S. Boulanger, Junior Clark, Stock, Weather, and Fair. Back to you, Nari. Now, as much as I've showered these gifts upon you, it is vitally important that these clothes are your own. So, a question for you. What is your favorite color? Ooh, colors. Uh, I know a few colors. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, brown. Um, stick, blends in with a lot of surfaces, you know. Black's pretty nice too for shadows. Yeah. Uh, Something perhaps brighter and livelier? The idea is to draw the eye, not cast it aside. We want you to be seen in these clothes. Oh. Uh, oh. Um. Oh. There's that one color I always see. It's uh. It's it's uh. It's not purple. It's uh. Oh, it's like light. Oh, it's like uh light red. Uh, pink. Pink. That's a cool color, right? Pink will do for some, yes. For some. Hmm. If pink is your favorite color, that's perfectly fine. We just will need to supplement it with some others, and I would prefer you chose them yourself. Oh, there's the grass color. Green, an excellent choice. That's a cool color, right? My personal favorite. Perfect. 
Ha, you'll go far, young man. Now, what neither of you notice, could possibly notice, either of you, because you're busy talking to each other, is that as Timothy names off these colors, so too does one of the boxes wrap a string, stack neatly behind his chair, turn that color. Now, a few accessories. I believe a gentleman will need a walking stick. A stick? I'm not old. No, no, no. It's it's for show, and so that you don't have to touch certain things with your hands. Well, or what am people. I going to do? Poke them? Oh, yes, vigorously. Oh. Just then, there is a fairy which resembles nothing so much as a halfling-sized turtle. Comes in pushing an umbrella holder made out of what appears to be an elephant's foot. Now, for practicality in all weather, I would, of course, recommend an umbrella. Of course, if you consider your uh, the likelihood you'll run into any sort of ruffians, a more robust, dedicated stick would be the appropriate choice. And of course, this umbrella stand is full of all manner of gentlemen's walking implements, from the latest in assault and defense brawlies, to sword canes, to firearms canes, in fact. There are all manner of devices and wonders, uh, both craftsmanlike and fully magical, available here. Wow. I thought these were just for rain, yeah. They'll keep you dry, and hopefully safe. Select whichever one you find most appealing. Uh, which one is the smallest one? Perhaps a fine cane of Hawthorne? Hawthorne. That's fancy. And quite durable. Okay, I'll, I'll go with this one. It looks cool. It looks like a cane. But I mean, cool. Excellent. And now finally, le, the piece de resistance. You need a hat, sir. I have a hood. That's a hat. It is headwear, I will grant you, but the hat is its own garment. You cannot place an extravagant feather in your hood, for example. What do I need with a feather? Nothing, really, but the ladies seem to enjoy them. Okay. What would you recommend? Well, I'll get my hat out and put it on my head, and it is a absolutely uh, garish, uh, reptilian hide sort of made fedora with an absolutely ridiculous uh, silver-fringed purple and green and blue iridescent bird feather stuck out, uh, out of the out of the uh, the band. This is a five hundred dollar hat. I uh, look at the hat, and 
I'm not going to pretend that I understand the appeal behind it, but I'll just look at it and nod. There are 360 days in a year, Timothy. If you made $1 every day for a year and saved them all up, you still cannot afford this hat. Most people do not make a dollar a day in Bailey Mina, just to give you an idea. This is ridiculous. This man is so wealthy. No idea, obviously, of anything to do with reality. The fact that Arabet sends you here. Yeah, it feels like I've been drinking another round of the antidote from start to finish. With right? all the servants, with all this clothing. I'm clothes shopping. Now, I would suggest you avoid the uh, the tricorns, the top hats. I would suggest something more along the lines of a fedora, perhaps, or a trilby. Perhaps even a bowler would suit you. Oh. Uh, I don't recognize any of these names. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> and there's all these different varieties of hats. Timothy. They're on like various shapes of heads and sizes of heads. Um, when you get up to these heads, you see that they are not real severed people's heads, although they certainly do look realistic enough from a distance. These are glamour weave covered mannequin heads, which shift their shape uh, depending on the settings to suit the hat they're displaying. So, I mean, there's orcish gentlemen's hats. Uh, granted, not many, but there are a few from here, like in a few places around this, this collection. What's neatest about this room you're in, Timothy, is it has changed size and contents no fewer than three times since you and Nari started sitting in these high back chairs. Um, it, was, it was all clothes and now it's all hats. Well, um, sorry to go off topic a little bit, sir, but how are, how is this happening? I, I, and I just gestured to literally everything around me. Magic. Magic. Magic, hard work, and inspiration. And I nod towards uh, the proprietor. Are they real? Quite. All the more so once you choose one. As real as you are, be careful with your words, son. Uh, sorry. It will be. Keep talking like that. Like yes. I say, and this gruff old puck goes stomping off. He goes, by the way, he looks like a bowler man. I'd wear a bowler if I was you, son. It would suit you down to the ground. You'd be a right handsome bastard then, wouldn't you? In my head, I'm just thinking, what does right handsome mean for them? Yeah, he's a pretty weird looking dude, but... Uh... This is a men's clothier, right? So you put your bowler on and damn, 
like standing there in front. You put a bowler on and standing there in front of the uh, mirror, man, you look like, well, I hate to say it, but you look official. You look like a police inspector or a government man, you know, somebody who gets respect. So I appreciate this and all, but what is the point of this? As I said, I simply can't be represented by somebody not properly attired. It simply wouldn't do for my own reputation and image. Yes, um, however, I'm not always, well, how do I say this? I'm not always representing you, more am I just a backstage hand. For now, perhaps. But as I said, Jobsworth has described you as quite the talented young man. I have a sense that you'll go places. And in order to go the places where I will find you useful, you will need to be presentable. Oh, well, thank you. He doesn't really care about the implications about all this. All this is screaming to me is money, 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 money. So much money. So much money. You've seen him just hand out $500 since you've been here. I'm half tempted to just pawn these things for a little bit more. Yeah, until you get the idea that, like, you're all these fake people, okay, so you're cool with them. That doesn't, that, that's, they're, they're not weird or anything. No big deal. You're used to them. You grew up in Bailey Mina, for crying out loud, right? You haven't seen Faye. You haven't been looking. So it's just the way that, you know, like, you know that the Fae have ancient lineages, and you know that once upon a time they were great and powerful around here. You know, like, they were like the gods before the Empire overthrew the gods. And even now, they don't take to being pushed around too much. And so the way that they do everything that this Hulu fellow tells them to, it doesn't seem like it's because he's rich, either. He pays things promptly and in full. And he expects full value for that money. This, now you're getting the idea, would be a very, very bad man to cross. Mary, can you please roll intimidation with advantage? 18. Timothy, I need you to make a will save. Five. The thought crosses your mind to just, you know, take this, all this rich stuff and pawn it, right? Like pawn it and then go split it with the pennies. Why not? Arabet will hide you, but it's money. And, uh, you know, why not? Nari, you've been in this position a few times. This isn't the first Clark you've interviewed. It is at this point that they always go and pawn the clothing. You see the thought cross Timothy's face. It's as plain as day. Now, not only is this clothing quite distinctive, quite recognizable, as is its very purpose, but I would remind you, it has been tailored ex expertly and exquisitely to your form. Uh, yes, sir. Of course, sir. 
And so the point is made. Presently, other servants come in, and there's a with a flickering of pixie wings, the boxes that you've had chosen are spirited away and uh, flicker across the city. Well, uh, thank you very much for um, this experience, sir. But uh, I do believe that I have an appointment to get going to. Ah, uh, yes, I understand completely. Ah, uh, yes. Farewell. Have a pleasant day. And with that, he just kind of turns his back on you and looks out the and looks out the window into the bustling Bailey Mina Street. And there's a click, and the door to the tailor shop opens a crack. It's the light at the end of my tunnel. You sneak through the door and into the brightly lit streets of Bailey Mina. As you close the door behind you, the camera cuts to the inside where Nari stands with his hands clasped in the small of his back, looking out the window with the final click of the door jam. The glamour fades from the scenery around him. And he turns back into the room to see a large work table in the center of which is a brazier. And in this brazier, there stands a flame burning the last of Nari's invulnerable waistcoats. Once the workroom returns to its normal shape, the door shakes with a heavy pounding. They're going to get through sooner or later, Nari. Like, that lock isn't going to hold. And uh, you got that dream off. Now, just to see if it takes, what are you going to do next? You are in a room. The window's there. Now, it doesn't open into Bailey Mina, but into the swamp of eternal sorrow. Where are you going? Well. I'll be going out the window, but I'll be looking around the room to see if there's anything I can uh, do to slow down or distract the people coming in. There are bottles and jars and alchemical reagents of all descriptions crowding the surprisingly well-dusted and clean, organized shelves in this hag's laboratory. It belongs to long, tall Alice. She seems to have ogres on the other side of that door. It would be a good time, a good idea to leave quickly. However, what in particular are you looking for? Oh, I think uh, placing a bunch of uh, jars and bottles of various uh, oozes and liquids immediately in front of the door right before I leave will probably do the trick. Fantastic. Can you make an arcana roll for me, please? Just a moment. That is an 18. If you combine this pot here, this phosphorus, with uh, this particular reagent here, and add it to, she has a jar of black pudding. You hadn't noticed it before, but there is a black pudding, a small black pudding, confined to a glass jar with a tightly fitted lid. But there it is, a black pudding. If you put phosphorus on a thing like that, it will go apeshit. The other thing about black puddings is, They'll eat just about anything. Oh, I think that'll do the trick. Put one uh, on perched on top of the other, delicately balanced, so that if the door comes in and taps it even a bit, they'll smash into each other. You leave it about an inch from the door, and it's a good thing, because when you just as you set them up and step slightly back, the door 
bangs in so you can see the top and the bottom of it flex visibly off the hinges. It's it's not going to last another smash. Your spell is going to break. Well, the ritual you used to lock it so tightly anyway. Well, I am out the window then. So you're working the latch and it's not coming. And you, this is starting... Okay, it was a good plan until this latch is stuck. Uh, make a strength tra- check, please. Three. Nope. With an earth-shattering kaboom, a fist the size of your average springtide ham comes hammering through the wall and reaches around fumbling for the hasp on the inside of the door. There's a similar impact on the other side. The wall shakes. And it won't be long now, Nari. Not long at all. Another hole appears in the wall on the opposite side of the door, Nari. And uh, now the hands clasp with the door in between them. What do you do? I'm going to get over by the shelves opposite the window and pop out an illusion of me still at the window. There is a groan, a large roaring noise from out in the hallway, and then the groan of straining timbers. And then the pop as the two doorposts on either side of this mystically locked door give up the ghost and the ogre standing on the other side rips out a giant chunk of wall, including the door, which should be big enough for it to fit its bulk through. There's some fumbling and crushing and moving and swearing from the hallway and as they try to put, to try to figure out where they're going to put this chunk of wall. Now, it's a little bit comedic and you have a chance to take an action. Can I just, uh, yeah, I'll just, if there's a gap there, I'm going through it. Your illusion, standing at the window, uh, looks over and panics with Oscar-winning verisimilitude and turns and starts beating on the window. Now, I need you to make a stealth check if you're going to sneak by them. If you're just going to run by them, I need, it has to be athletics. Oh, always subtlety first. Then stealth, please. Natural 20 plus 7. Well, after they pull this out, the first ogre that steps in steps onto your stack of pudding and phosphorus. It crushes the jar holding the pudding and the jar holding the phosphorus, spreads the pudding all over the crushed phosphorus. The ogre leaps up into the ceiling, bounces off, and then falls down onto its back, writhing and kicking its leg as the pudding grabs it up to the knee. Two seconds. The ogre screams and thrashes, and you slide out of the way towards the gap to the hallway. As you're making your way very carefully to avoid the ogre's thrashing, you see the pudding get thinner and smaller, and finally start to flow up the leg after dissolving the ogre's foot and then knee and up its thigh. After that, it's a snap because they come pouring into the room, leaving you all kinds of room to just walk around behind and leave. It's the most horrible sound after that. Well, I'll wince uh, sympathetically on my way out. As you sneak down the road with a wry grin upon your face, the last thing you hear is the ogre screaming and the shrill voice of long, tall Alice cursing 
the name of the warlock of Kern. Roomlanders was recorded live, curated by DM Mad Adam. All of the usual people played all of the usual roles, and you can find out more about who they are, who their characters are, and all the little Easter eggs that I scatter through these episodes by going to runewise.games. That's it, just runewise.games. Like what you hear? We'd love to know what you think. If you like us, tell your friends. If you don't, let us know why. You can leave us a comment at runewise.games. Find us on Twitter at CastTheRunes. Send an email to runelanders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Runelanders. Next time on Moonlanders, we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We're back in two weeks. We'll see you then. Until next time, take good care. We're gonna rewind a little bit and see what Zeevan called her top two.